You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Welcome. I hope you're having a spectacular day. You are listening to Provisions and Libations, and I am your host, Robin Bogue, on the Mission Matters Podcast Network. Today's guest is Kelly O'Neill. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that this is going to be a fun topic. So today's topic is about wine teenies and mocktails. And you might be asking yourself, wine teeny, what is that? Well, it's a wine-based cocktail or a wine-based drink that mimics a cocktail by adding fruit, juice, seltzer, spritzers, garnishes in a pretty little glass. And Kelly's here today because this is something she and I have participated in multiple times this year, and we've had a lot of fun. So with Kelly's expertise, because she's super knowledgeable about drinks and things like that, and then super spontaneous and off the cuff. And so (laughs) I I do like a cocktail. That's for sure. (laughs) I hope that I know you have other qualifications, but for the show, we're just talking about the, the food and drinks part of you as you are the marketing director for Boys and Girls Club. I'd like to throw that out there. And, but you're also a good friend and a great person to share the wine teeny venture with. So fun. Yes. So, and also I wanted to say thank you because you did several of my wine teeny photo shoots for the book that I'm producing. And with that, you gathered your friends and your family and we met at great locations to film garden parties, birthday parties. And then last week, my holiday party, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we ended up that night, which I love. And this goes to show that you can just do whatever you want when you're creating is we took that ornament cocktail wine teeny and changed it from the red wine in the Christmas bowl to white wine. And not only did it taste better, it looked better. And so what was your experience with that? Tell everybody about it. Well, you were so great. I consider you the queen of the wine teeny. You, <laughs> your wine background and your culinary background makes you so great at coming up with these really creative wine teenies. But when you sent out the little teaser, little text photo of what to expect from the holiday party wine teeny with the drink and the plastic ornament and then the cute cocktail glass and all that stuff, I was so excited to give it a try. And then when we all got there and they were adorable and you had the cute glass and then it didn't quite, it didn't quite go. And it was interesting how then on the fly, we switched it to a different wine. And then remember my, the rim of my glass had wintergreen flavor instead of peppermint flavor. And I couldn't, it was like undrinkable for me, Mm -hmm. but then together as a group, we kind of experimented and fixed it. And I'm excited to see the recipe in your book. Yeah, because I remember that because that was a different drink. That was when we were in the living room taking pictures and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't like it. And I was like, oh my God, I love it because I had done the green rim because we had the the winter green, green rim of candy canes broken up and they rimmed the glass 
the, the right. lip of the glass and, or you had the peppermint. And so I had red and green. So I wanted it to be festive and look good and just to offer variation so that people, if they had a purple candy cane, they could do a purple one, which purple sure, yeah. is probably great, but didn't really fit our thing. Cause it was holiday for Christmas. And so when we tried it, the green one I did like, and I know one of the other gals liked it too, but that doesn't mean anything. That just right. means Kelly didn't <laughs> like it and we needed to get her a peppermint glass. And well, and it was just because I've had so many of your wine teenies and I've loved them all. So it was just like, oh, I did this is one I didn't like, which was mm-hmm. unusual. So, but it was fun to be kind of part of your process and yeah. be creative alongside you. I know I loved being able to change it up like that. And then all of you guys just being like, hey, I'm okay with that. And, you know, (laughs) nobody was like, not that anyone would get mad, but it just, it made it so easy to, especially when we did the changing for the the one with the Christmas bulb, where we had the red wine in the bulb, and then we switched it to the white wine. I totally agreed with that because when I tried it earlier, when I made it, it tasted good. But then when, but I didn't have the ginger ale ice cube in with it, I had done it outside of it. So I feel the ginger ale ice cube had changed something in the drink to where it didn't work anymore. And then when we changed it and did the white wine instead of the red wine, which it was a chilled Chardonnay, and then everything was the same except changing the wine, the chilled Chardonnay it actually looked better because then you could really see the cranberry and the rosemary in the bottom of the glass because those were garnishes. And so then it appealing, uh, you know, the aesthetic of it looks so much better, Mm -hmm. but then when you tasted it, the taste was phenomenal and that's what it should be. And we all agreed on that. And so that was a lot of fun. I think that video that we did should actually get posted on the website so that people could see the actual transition of what we were doing. And that's true. Yeah. Dealing yeah. with the cork wouldn't come out and because it was a 19-year-old <laughs> Chardonnay. Right. All, yeah, yes. but we were just rolling with it. And that's yeah. what wine teenies are all about. Just well, have fun. It is. And wine teenies were are based. I had created them when I had my tasting room as I'm a former winemaker. We used to on Friday nights get the food trucks and they would come and they would bring their food and then we would create wine teenies. And then that was and then we changed the music to match the food and the flair and the the fair and all of that. And I loved creating that. And those were all employee inspired that the employees got it on a Sunday afternoon or right after work. If we closed, we would break out fruits, vegetables, juices, and seltzers and, and create them. So they were a lot of fun and they were off the cuff. And it was basically, we would take a wine that wasn't the best wine and spruce it up and, or even a day old or two day old wine that I, we didn't, we usually didn't open a brand new bottle for that. We would like, if we were pouring wine throughout the week and we wanted a fresh bottle, instead of throwing out the old one, it was, we just kept it. And then we spruced it up and then it, you know, for, for a revenue stance, it was a great way to use day old wine. And so that's the whole idea. You don't want like we, us opening the 19 year old Chardonnay, that was probably not the wine to use, but it was the only wine I had in the refrigerator. And, you know, it was a great way to use that bottle. So that I did want to make that note as a wine teeny, you don't want to use your most expensive that. Well, and that's the nice thing about wine teenies is it's sort of taking the whole sangria idea. Like sangria has been around forever. Most people have made a sangria at some point in their life. 
but this really elevates it by really taking care about what your mixers are going to be, your garnishes are going to be, finding a cute glass or a cute way of, of serving the wine teeny. So it's not like I'm using up old wine to mm-hmm. just make it switch, but you're really making it thoughtful and intentional, which yeah. you do such a great job of. Well, in that, and I love that you said Wade with that because we also did a Sangria Saturday with the live music. And so then, mm-hmm. you know, we would, it was very seasonally oriented. And so if it was peach season, our, our Sangria had peaches in it. If it was cherry season, strawberry season, you know, right, we just right. used what was in our community and, and, yeah. you know, made fun of, made a lot of fun with that. So you and I, because we're good friends outside of everything, we have gone to places and we both love French 75s and we've had some great conversations about it. And a French 75 is the closest thing of a cocktail for people to understand what a wine teeny is, even though a wine teeny is wine. Well, in a French 75 is wine based because it's sparkling. So fill me in on, on the conversations that we've had about that because it's been a lot of fun. Well, yeah, wine teeny. I mean, French 75s are basically my very first wine teeny. And I went through a real phase quite a while ago where French 75s were my life, basically. I even invested in some vintage champagne coupes that have a hollow stem, you know, which you can't really find anymore. The stem is solid, but now this is hollow hollow stem. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it great because you pour the French 75 in the most basic form, the most like original form is cognac and champagne. And those are both from France. And so the French 75 has a long history. And the reason it's named that is a kind of a funny story, but you start with cognac and you fill the stem of a hollow stem glass, and then you finish it off with champagne. Some people add garnishes, some people add lemon, you can do it with gin, but then it's not really French anymore. But anyway, that drink to me is like one of the best just use of wine and Mm -hmm another, another spirit, mixing wine and something else. So I highly encourage anybody who hasn't to really try a French 75. And and it's also perfect for the holidays, super festive. I agree. And I've I've been on that same French 75 kick where anytime we would go out to dinner, that was the drink of choice that I would have when we would first arrive. And you and I had been locally in Santa Maria. I think it was the day of your birthday party when we took the train wine, uh, the trolley wine tasting. Uh And that night the the lemon, they had a lemon something that they had put in that French 75 that we actually could eat. It was, it had crystallized sugar on it. That's right. So yeah. fast forward to another week, the next week forward, I ordered a French 75 out to dinner with my family and I pull the little lemon rind out and go to take a bite. And I'm like, oh, it's, it was in my mouth and I'm like, oh, this isn't, uh-uh, I can't yeah. do this. And it right. was funny because my parents were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just had one a week ago. And we were able to eat it. It was so good. And they're like, so I had to politely in the middle of the restaurant, take my napkin and be like, lean over and like, pull it out of my mouth. Cause I'd taken a good bite. <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> and I don't want to name the restaurant because it's an amazing restaurant, but that the the French 75 from one week to the other was definitely different. And that was yeah. about the garnishes. So with the wine teeny photo shoot, 
You and I have worked on the garden party, the birthday party, and the holiday party. The garden party, and with our mutual friend Tracy at her house, the garden party, you brought your mom. And it was amazing to show the diversity of age. And then you, not only that, you had a lifetime best friend, a new friend, me, who I'm kind of in the middle of all of that. And I wasn't in the photos because I was taking them, but that I think was my funnest or funnest isn't a word, but my best photo shoot that day. Cause it just, it really represented what a wine teeny is all about. And that, what was your favorite drink that day? Do you remember? I know this was about six months ago. I know. God, that was a while ago. <laughs> one of the one, one of the white wine ones, the, the very first one you did. The, I think that was the cucumber teeny. That's right. Yes. It was, it was so good. And yeah, the, the day just worked out perfectly. The weather was beautiful. We had good inside activity and outside activity. And my mom had a blast and we all look cute. And I can't wait to see <laughs> the did. final product when your book comes out. Yes. That's the ebook should be coming out before Christmas. I'm working on that this next week. And I'm excited about that. That drink, I believe had, it was a cucumber with thyme and it was muddled with a little bit of Chardonnay and then poured on top of a Chardonnay. And if yeah. we didn't use a Chardonnay, it was a Sauvignon Blanc because that would work as well. But mm-hmm. I do believe that that was a Chardonnay. I'm almost positive it was a Chardonnay. Because yeah. any of my recipes, if if the wine says Sangiovese, you could do a Zinfandel or, yeah. you know, that you just, you, you roll Six with it. Two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So teenies, now we're into mocktails. So mocktail is basically the same thing. You just leave out the cocktail part, the liquor uh-huh. part. Yeah. 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 And it's the same thing where, you know, you could take a seltzer water with the cucumber and the rosemary and muddle it together and then put it in a glass, a pretty frilly fun glass with garnishes. And you've got a mocktail and nobody would be the wiser because it would look the same and not taste the same, but still have the same flavor components for the most part. Right. And I think the best thing that ever happened to the mocktail world are the LaCroix Mm-hmm. seltzer waters yes. because they have such a variety of flavors to begin with. And then if you just add a juice or fresh fruit or whatever, you've got yourself a tasty little beverage with no alcohol. Yep. And, and then, then you put anything in a cute glass mm-hmm. and it's, you can tell yourself you're having a cocktail when it's a mocktail. Yep. And that you could take your carrot peeler and peel the outside of a lime or a lemon or mm-hmm. guava and make yourself a little curly cue and, you know, stick it on a, you know, a little skewer and put it in your glass and it has a little dancing flamingo. So uh, <laughs> it, it definitely works. Mocktails are definitely the in thing right now. And they're, they're perfect, you know, with um, me because I also do tours and I, I, I can't taste anything when I'm on a tour and it's whether it's wine, beer or spirits, I can't try anything because I'm their designated legal sober driver. And so I usually will take with me in my glass or my Yeti, a something that has fruit in it, or like today I'm drinking iced tea with a LaCroix. Because I didn't want the iced tea by itself. And right. I, I doctored well, it anything up. anything with a little fizz <clears throat> makes it just a little more fun. It does. I know when I tasted it, I'm like, oh, I mixed that one right. Because I just used the rest of the iced tea and then threw in the LaCroix. So I kept it super easy. Yeah. 
Okay, so now moving into our savor portion of this podcast, we have from Food and Wine Magazine, they published an article called Cocktail Inspired Holiday Cookies, which I had never heard anything about it. And when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this totally ties into what we're talking about. And so what do you think of when you get to the first one and you see bushwhacker bars? Well, I didn't know what a bushwhacker cocktail was. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> see it that it's coconut, so it obviously is a rum and coconut thing. Yes, is I mean, there's like a million cookies that are coconut, add mm-hmm. a little rum flavor. How perfect! And that's super holiday, super holiday too. Yeah, and with the example that they provided with the the. The drizzle of chocolate, it definitely, that it made me, I thought maybe it looked like it had a little bit of peanut butter on it, but that's just looking at the, the picture. But yeah, that one, I would definitely want to try. Well, and And then maraschino cherry garnish. I mean, that's like, you'd have a maraschino cherry and tons of different cocktails mm -hmm. call for a maraschino cherry. So that works perfectly too. It does. And then they list the Sorel thumbprint. At first, when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's got to be something chocolate based. And it's not even, it's a hibiscus spread with Indian spices like nutmeg, allspice and ginger, but then when it's cooked, it must get a little bit darker because hibiscus, I would have thought would have been more in the red tones. I think that's in the little glaze in the middle, like all the spices and Mm -hmm. the ginger, the hibiscus make up that kind of jam, jammy thumbprint. It looked like a Hershey's kiss in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to have to make the recipe. Yeah. I know that we should do that and video that. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then the mudslide meringues that doesn't look very appealing but I <laughs> bet <laughs> it kind of looks like a cow pie <laughs> but have you ever made a meringue like a, mer- a hard meringue just to eat a meringue I've never done yeah. it yeah I, I, I was in college when I did that my former mother-in-law was huge on meringue and oh, we oh, used yeah. to she I remember doing that and it was tasted really good but it takes yeah. forever yeah yeah yeah, so that one has the dark chocolate with espresso. That would definitely be delicious. So that would pair well with that one, that wine teeny that we did that had the red wine at yeah. the port at the end. Totally. A port, a totally. port would go really well with that. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> number four, margarita shortbread with tequila lime glaze. Yeah, this one, I'm all over this one. I'm not much of a sweets fan, so and I'm not much of a baker. But I do love shortbread and margarita, anything, <laughs> lime, anything. I'm all yeah. over it. So yeah, this and this glaze. My, I, I could get my head around this cookie. For sure. Yeah, the the and then it ends with glaze, and you're like, yep, that that's all me. I could do <laughs> Sign that. Me up. Yeah. Yep. So then it's the bee's knee snowballs, which looks like definitely looks like a holiday cookie. It's got the lemon zest and the orange blossom honey. And I bet that would go really good with like a Roussan. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then they've got, you've got the, yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. That looks pretty good. So that also is a orange zest infused sugar with Campari icing, which icing on a cookie is my downfall. And then a Negroni is such a good flavor in it of itself. I can see lending that to all kinds of baking and cooking. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then now we're in a cr- the cranberry Moscow mule ginger snap. I'm not so sure I'd like the cranberry with the ginger, but I'd be willing to try it out. Yeah, I I I, I could get my head around that one too. Mm-hmm. And then the fudgy grasshopper sandwich cookie, which anything like that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could go wrong. Number yeah. 10 is a hot buttered rum biscotti. <laughs> I don't think you could go wrong with right, that exactly. either. Yeah, seriously. And then the Mai Tai swirls, that looks like a candy cane and a cookie. Yeah. And then and I it, wonder what makes it Mai Tai. Does it have rum? Oh, it's got a rum filling. Okay. That looks what's at Mai Tai. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The red part, the, the red part, it's got to have it in it. And then the milk punch cornmeal cookies, they look prettier than the name says. Yeah. So it's they a drop really cookie. Elegant. Yeah. And I don't know what a milk punch cocktail is. I've never had one. So no, I guess it's got a bourbon base, which I like bourbon. So yeah. Something and I that do. looks like it would have had a bourbon just with the coloring on it. Yeah. It yeah. looked like it would have, that's what it would be. But yeah. that I thought that would be such an interesting topic to talk about because who would have ever have thought doing a cocktail inspired cookie? Cause that had never crossed my mind. And I feel like I'm pretty eccentric on my thinking with food and drink. <laughs> okay. So then, like I said, before we started um, talking today, I came across this, this week, town and country magazine in collaboration with Delish created a list of 60 iconic Christmas dinner menu items and I thought that this would be a great item to today's show. And I did go through so that we're not taking everyone's time and talking about 60, but I did go through the list and it's talking about appetizers, which an iconic Christmas dinner menu item appetizer would be a pecan brie or a cranberry brie bite, which oh, totally, yeah. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree on that. Anything brie and then you add the cranberry and the pecan. I mean, that's total December. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. you can almost smell that right now. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. we all can identify with that, that everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for the sides, it talked about, and I'm not a huge Brussels sprouts fan, but if you doctor them up with a lot of stuff, I can, I can handle it. A lot of bacon and a lot of maple and yeah. Balsamic vinaigrette. and (laughs) Right. right. Yes. It listed perfect mashed potatoes, sweet potato bites, stuffed mushrooms, honey glazed carrots, French onion soup, and of course, gravy as the other items for the sides. For cookies, can you try to guess the two cookies since you don't know the list because we didn't talk about it? Yeah. Let's see, like rum balls or like a rum ball or a... Uh, a thumbprint cookie. Mm-hmm. That I totally agree with you. They had listed gingerbread and sugar. So the, those were the sugar cookies, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, those are iconic for holiday for December. Yeah. yeah. And then for the main course, they had listed baked ham with brown sugar glaze, perfect prime rib, beef tenderloin, classic roast chicken, roast lamb, braised lamb shake, stuffed pork loin, loin. And then what do you feel would be the last item? Something with fish. That would be great. They did not list anything with fish that I can remember when I went through the list. It's a bacon wrapped turkey. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And the bacon was super thick 
And it was like a basket weave. So they weaved it on top of the turkey and then cooked oh it. So then that way it was like, not only did it net over it, it hugged it. And so you just know all that bacon, ooey gooey goodness went directly into the turkey meat. And what a showstopper that would be when you bring yes. that to the table. Good Lord. Yes. Yeah. So all of these recipes and ideas will be on my website. I will have the link to that. So in case you're interested, you can look up the recipe to use for yourself. And then Kelly, I wanted to say thank you for joining me today as I knew it would be a great conversation and that I am grateful to work with you with all of my extra side pieces. So thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for all the wine teenies that you've given me over the last year or so. And let's keep, let's keep wine teeny. Well, next year we've got, I have the whole new list of what we're doing next. So it's Yay. it's not over yet. <laughs> it's, it's going. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please follow Provisions and Libations wherever you listen to podcasts. I will be back next week with an all new episode. I am your host, Robin Bogue. You can learn about me on my website, eatdrinkandbemerry.online or my LinkedIn profile, Robin Bogue. I look forward to entertaining you, informing you, and enlightening you with a perfect accommodation for connoisseurs of provisions and libations with an Epicurean flair. But first, let's eat and drink. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.